Hi, my name is Sean Chaler. This is my friend Chris Ford, aka the Objective Geek of Twitter and YouTube fame, uh, or semi-fame, or whatever level of fame you want to assign to yourself. Uh, it's it's all about important uh, or positive self-perception, Chris, and and you've got that. So whatever level of fame you want to assign to yourself, I believe it. What's important is that we are here today on this extremely awesome podcast talking about an extremely awesome episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't want to give away any spoilers other than that it's an extremely exciting episode and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about I think. Uh, but before we get to that of course, Chris how you doing? I am doing great. I'm very excited for this episode. Lots of stuff to dive into. I really love this specific episode of Avatar. Um, not to spoil anything but it is terrific i, I hate spoiling stuff but yeah it's like, i think yeah, it, it would be really hard um in fact you know what if you are listening to this podcast and you don't like this episode it'd be interesting to hear why just i'd, I'd just be curious because it's very exciting a 10 happens uh but we're gonna try to like damper our excitement just for a little bit first so we can talk about some of the usual stuff before we get <laughs> too excited and too heavy into episode talk so I thought I would point out that you have claimed yet another friend of the show. And, yeah, it's like, uh, I use it's like friend... catching Pokemon at this at this point. It is. And it's also like catching Pokemon and then it's not exactly real, but it's real up here in my head and in my heart. Yeah. They're actual friends of the show. Hey, anybody that shows support to the show is kind of a friend of the show, even if not necessarily mm -hmm. to us. Or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Anyone who uh, contacts me... Or, or writes me back anything as a friend of, of the show. So, show. Uh, the new friend of the show is Jeremy Zuckerman. If you don't know him, you should, because he's an amazing musician. He is responsible for the music and the scores behind Avatar Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Um, I just happened to be watching Legend of Korra with, with my daughter. We finished watching the series again. She really loves that show, and I'm always proud of her. Uh, <laughs> But uh, and sometimes I kind of watch it because I'm busy. It's kind of in the background. No disrespect to the show. It's just she's she's watching it herself. Like she's not even watching it with me. She's watching it herself. Um, but when it came to the finale of book four, like I was really dialed into it. I was like, man, this music is just so amazing, so amazing. I gotta tweet out to Jeremy Zuckerman how amazing it is and how above and beyond he went uh, with with the music in book four. Um, but also how it's always amazing music. And uh, he did right back. He, he just said, you know, thank you, uh, which is all I need. I don't need. <laughs> he didn't just like much. it, though. He went out of his way to type words. That's for, that's the yes. real key. He didn't oh. just, like, double tap like. Yeah. So then I told my daughter that, though. Um, so my daughter like, oh, because we were watching uh, another episode. We started. My daughter really loves book two, Cora, and she wanted to just watch book two again. Um, she goes in weird orders that gets on my nerves, honestly. But my I'm, heart, I was gonna say I'm really proud, but at the same time, it, it's it's cutting my heart just to hear you say that. <laughs> but you have to admit, it, of all the places to jump around to, like jumping into book two of Korra makes way more sense than say jumping into book yeah. two of the first uh, of Avatar: The Last yes. Airbender. Yeah. So I'll give her some props. At least that makes yeah. a little more sense. So good for her. Uh, yeah. Also, I think book two is more kid friendly, but. Uh... But anyway, I, so I Maybe paused at the credits. Yeah, yeah. I paused at the credits. I said, "Hey, look! Like this is uh, the person behind the music. The thing is, after every the credits of every song, like we do the whole, 
<laughs> oh wait, no, that's not Al- that's not that's Al- Al- one. Yeah, that's our that's uh, our podcast. Yeah. Is what you're thinking of? Yes. Yeah. Core ends in. Anyway, at the end of uh, at the end of it, I showed her. Look, there's Jeremy Zuckerman, his name, and I showed her the tweet. And she goes, oh, "Really?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "Can you tell him I said thank you?" I'm like, "Okay, sure." Um, <laughs> and then I wrote my daughter. I said thank you. My daughter wanted to let you. My my daughter wanted to thank you for making the music. And I put here is my daughter typing, and my daughter did type out the rest of the note saying, "Thank you for the music. I am going to be Cora for Halloween. Thank you." Dot. And then he did write back. <laughs> uh, he wrote back, "Thank you. I think Cora is a wonderful uh, thing to be for Halloween." So he went above and beyond there. So and she was really happy to get that response. In her, well, in her Cora costume, by the way, nicely done. It's fantastic. It's it's a combination of adorable and a th- and threatening, just what you would want a small child yes. playing Cora to be. You knocked it out of the park. Uh, but that's really exciting. I'm impressed that she like just to to understand sort of the impact that has like to be excited um, at her age. I certainly wouldn't have known anything. Not to mention, I was probably mostly watching Warner Brothers cartoons, so <laughs> I don't know how like moving or inspiring it would have been to be like, hey, that Animaniacs music is really great. But <laughs> the thing is, that's why because uh, Bruce Tim, who is like responsible for the DC animated universe, it's called the Timverse, like for a reason. He worked on Animaniacs, and uh, oh no, it was he also worked, he worked on Animaniacs and he worked on Tiny. Tunes. We um, we talked about and, it at Comic Con one time because those are basically two, probably two of my three favorite shows or cartoon yeah. series of all time. <laughs> the thing is, he didn't really like working on. I mean, he took he he, he pay the bills. Got to pay yeah, the bills. It paid the bills. Yeah, he was like, well, it's a fine experience and pays the bills. But when he went and we left Tiny Tunes to go work on Batman the Animated Series, they were both nominated for an Emmy. And uh, and Tiny Toons won. He was like really pissed off, <laughs> even though he worked on Tiny Toons. He was like, "Tiny Toons is not better than Batman the Animated." <laughs> like it's not it's really... better, but Tiny Toons and its time, like it's like the spawn of all these random variety type shows that we have now. These really sort of scatterbrained, like anti-serialized shows. Like in my mind, a lot of that started with things like Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. But that's yeah. that's probably a different conversation <laughs> for a different day. <laughs> Just know that I really like Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. And for the record, if you're removing like the more serious shows, like your Batmans and your Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, the other cartoon I was referring to is the Mystery Incorporated, uh, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated season <laughs> of Scooby-Doo specifically. That's a tremendous one. But that's probably another conversation <laughs> for a different day. Um, in that genre, but in their own genres. <laughs> Uh, hey, friend of the show. That's very exciting. Um, Zuckerman? Zucker... Uh, uh, Jeremy Zuckerman, yes. Zuckerman, got it. I keep wanting to say Zuckerberg, but it's just because you know, yeah, I'm on Facebook way yeah. too much. We do have a speck of live action news. I'm going to call it news light. Like, it is news. Uh, it's not groundbreaking, but it's important, and I'm going to let you take it, if you don't mind. Or I can pull it yeah, up and so... read it if you... Uh, yeah, go ahead and pull it up because I almost forgot the guy's name, Dan Lynn, I think. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, you go ahead and pull it up. You read it. Okay. 
I'm going to do it on my phone because I don't want anybody to see my emails, which it's okay. directly connected to. I don't think there's anything <clears throat> weird in there. I just don't want you to see my unpaid bills and things like that. And it's not important. Uh, this is some news for the Avatar Live Action series. And really just nice that this news, um, that we have news because yeah. any news is, any positive news is good news. Like, And this is, makes, I think, even more official. Yeah, I would say it's not it's not a case where no news is good news because it's not actually out. So positive news. Uh, it just, yeah. I don't know, it's mm-hmm. nice to hear. I'm just going to read the yeah. whole thing verbatim that you sent, uh, at least the cool. first paragraph. Uh, so Dan Lin, he's the new executive producer uh, for the Avatar live-action series, has some experience under his belt when it comes to producing some of the biggest franchises around, including such hits as It, It Chapter 2, Lego Batman, Aladdin, Death Note, and Sherlock Holmes, to name a few. While a release date for the series has yet to be confirmed, it's clear that fans will have to wait at least a little while before exploring this brand new interpretation of the world of bending. The upcoming series will also be written and executive produced, that's that's worded weirdly, by Michael DiMartino and Brian Konitzko, who were responsible for bringing the franchise to life on Nickelodeon around 15 years ago. Yeah, that's so that's a uh, story there, which, hey, seems like a pretty good executive producer. Of those properties mentioned, uh, I love It. I think that's a, a fantastic movie. I absolutely love It. Everything about that is I'm good. a little surprised it, about it. I haven't seen it. I have no opinion. You should see it. It is good. It's, um, it's hey, two. I yeah. I like I so I like horror movies, but only cheesy bad ones from like that golden eighties to early nineties era of like really bad low budget horror movies. I love those. Yeah. If it's actually scary, I get actually scared and I have nightmares and stuff. So I gotta. I know, like even scary video games, especially modern ones that are kind of serious. I can't uh-huh. even touch them, and that's. I play a lot of video games, not horror ones. I mean, they scare me. Uh, it Chapter but Two I, if was. It, if it's good, I'll watch it. Yeah, It Chapter Two was alright. It was it was fine, I guess. Um, Death Note was pretty bad. Not gonna lie, the live especially action considering. One? Yeah, live action one. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, okay. Death Note is an amazing anime. It's one of the best anime, at least the first like season or the first half of the. Uh, the first part of it, something happens to a certain character, and then the series just kind of goes down in quality. It's still fine, um, but Death Note wasn't good. I love live action Aladdin. I know we, I think we disagree on it slightly. We do, but, or I, but in all live action things in general, so it's not really a fair. Like I'm not a fair counterpart. Yeah. You would need somebody better, but yeah, I do. And uh, Lego Batman is really good too. I don't, I don't revisit Lego Batman enough. Um, so it's a pretty. I was always confident because it was, it was going to be in the hands of Mike and Brian anyway, and it being in the hands of this person is slightly encouraging. If anything, I'm just more encouraged by he has a fairly good track record and that we are just this thing is chugging along even more. Okay. I uh, so I had I watched Death Note the live action one, uh, but I hadn't seen the original anime, so they're getting not a good person. I remember not being too interested or too excited by it, even though I knew the premise. Um, I'll watch like I have almost no recollection uh, with this person outside of Aladdin and Death Note and and even then Aladdin I didn't like it but obviously I understand why it's successful and it's good so uh, from what teeny tiny bit I know it's very exciting it's good news uh, yeah I guess production on I guess production producing on Aladdin depending on in what capacity he's producing 
Um, that's probably a great indicator because I think Aladdin was like you think about like the setting and the bringing to life like all the different uh, wardrobe and things like that. I think this, if he has anything to do with that, this is a really good indicator because I think they did a a really good job with that. Or maybe I'm just saying that because of the main character Jasmine. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> it might still um, be true. It might still be true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to boil everything down to like like general populist consensus but like a lot of people really like aladdin so even if i don't obviously he did a good job so yeah that's very exciting uh dan lynn i'll remember that for like a day and then i'll forget it but most importantly again just to keep seeing positive news um like teasers like just getting us excited over and over again uh i don't know what are you thinking like late 2020 or in the Ooh, in the this, final third of 2020, maybe that's my guess. It, it would have to be like late 2020. I can see like a December 2020 type of deal. I mean, casting should start sometime soon, like really soon, um, which means it'll go into gosh, and that, and that stuff's gonna take a while with CGI and stuff. So yeah, and, I mean, Netflix does. They don't. I don't think they sit on things <laughs> that often. Um, so once it's ready, I think they'll get it out there. Um, you know, it's not like movies, right? Movies are ready pretty much five to six months before the movie even comes out, um, depending on the movie. Um, here, I think once it's ready, it'll be like two months or something, and then it'll come out. I feel dumb, um, but I didn't even know that about movies. I always assumed there was like a buffer time for, for marketing reasons and whatnot. I never would have guessed, you know, five or six months. That that seems outrageous, and yet the more I think about it, I, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean... I'm sure yeah, there's exceptions could, on, I, on either side. I could be under-exaggerating, over-exaggerating, but may I look more into that. Anyway, um, one thing that I'm working on to get me more excited for live action, to give everyone excited for live action, is uh, 10 things that the live action version can improve on from Avatar. And uh, I did find 10 things. I think these things are uh, could happen. Uh, I think they're fairly uh, implementable whatever yeah, i think it's legit. <laughs> yeah are nine out of ten of them um, get rid of jet is that one through nine uh and then the ten no, i'm gonna i'm gonna make you mad and say one of them is more jet but oh chris what if our friends of the show <laughs> see that and get ideas stop it let them get ideas. i'm you, gonna you could be influencing jet's people right great. jet the jet could be great anyway i won't get into it it's fun now, it's funny to talk about but... jet right now <laughs> Jack, especially <laughs> this episode. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, working on that. Uh, that should be out uh, probably in the next. That's probably a good segue days. to your your latest yeah. works and previews. Of yeah, times. that's a good segue. Nicely done. Uh, my, yeah, my latest videos. Uh, my most recent one is actually about the Dragon Prince. Dragon Prince season three is coming out November twenty second. There was some recent picks released, and uh, and I go over that. Just and also I go over my three things that the Dragon Prince could do to improve. Because um, also I think Dragon Prince needs to reach a wider audience. I do think it's in a little bit of trouble here, trying to get renewed. I mean, I can just kind of sense it from uh, from like the creators and and everything trying to push. Like we need this saga. I don't think they would be pushing so hard if everything was uh, surefire way, uh, surefire that everything that they will be able to tell their long story. Which is a, a, a shame things. because, like, while I agree, I could it, that it could improve, or even more importantly, like I understand maybe why it's not reaching 
as wide of an audience, yeah. it's a shame because I love it. I have 100% yeah, no, I love, it. love I love that too. show. So I need yeah. it to succeed. I need it to reach that wider audience. I don't think it's a matter of uh, of people not liking it. I think it surely has to do no. with volume and general popularity at this yeah. point, probably. But that's just my own internal uh, thought. Maybe I could be totally off. I don't know. I haven't yeah. looked at Medicare so, scores the, or anything for it. Uh, in the video, so I go over the three things that it could do to uh, to be better and also just maybe reach a, a wider audience. And then also I go over some newly released images and just kind of give my thoughts about them. Um, so that is up. Um, the video right before that is who did Zuko marry, which is uh, apparently in our little group of contentious uh topic <laughs> Mark, why does he gotta um, get married at all why can't he just uh, be peaceful and, and happy yeah. and, um... i almost threw in a, a zuko saka joke in there just for uh, jamie <laughs> a but, joke uh, or or uh, <laughs> accurate representation or of a legitimate po- possibility i almost did, I was, you know i don't even feel like dragging this this video, no, dragging but it, this video. it's just my way of segueing over into our hi jamie that that's all that's yeah. for you <laughs> Hope you're listening. Uh, and then, uh, then a video before that is my review of Joker, which the more I think about the movie, I've seen the movie twice now. Um, I, I like it even more. I might possibly even love it, but I still hold true, fairly hold true to my review of it, to the score that I gave it. Um, I like to think that I give myself like a 0.3 points of a margin of error, and it's within that. I'll probably increase Joaquin Phoenix's performance to maybe even a 10 because I gave it a nine and a half in the review. Um, but but there still isn't that much story there, so isn't that much emotion or heart in there. Um, so it still will get around like an eight out of 10, but I just enjoy the movie even more, even though I don't even think it's a really great Joker interpretation. Like I mentioned before, I think Jared Leto does a better job of being quote unquote the Joker in the movie i, I than, want to, I want uh, to clear that does. i want to clear this part up really quick because what you say <laughs> what i interpret from what you say i don't think that jared leto is is a good joker i think it's a very limited opportunity like he just doesn't have a ton of opportunity in that film uh, in the film to work with i don't know that he is a good joker but what i hear you saying or or at least the part that makes more sense to me <laughs> is just that the interpretation of the joker that jared leto plays as made by other people, not Jared Leto, but as the creators designed it, is a better Joker. It just happens to be played by Jared Leto, who I don't like at all. Uh, I know other people out there probably agree with me. But that interpretation of the Joker is a better Joker than what you get in this Joker movie. It's not comparing yes. Jared Leto to Joaquin Phoenix. It's comparing no. that Joker to this Joker. Yeah, and like, you find that is... one to be more satisfying. Yes, yeah, as it's 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 a better, more closely tied relation to being the Joker in the comics. Okay. Like the Joker in the comic books, he's he's uh, you, you don't know what he's gonna do next. He can you know kill you or he can like kiss you on the cheek. He's always in control. He's this like constant madness deal. He's always inflicting pain on everybody. You know he has he's he is a force of nature, right? When in Walking Phoenix's Joker movie, he just feels like a guy who's just kind of going through the motions. Like he's reactive to everything. He's not necessarily trying to change 
anyone's ideologies or anything like that. Um, like in the Killing Joke comic, like the Joker's trying to prove to Batman and Gordon and also, uh, that it only takes one bad day to become the Joker and that the Joker's actually sane and he's going to prove this by turning Commissioner Gordon as insane as possible by doing all these horrific things to him and to his daughter. And then they end up proving by, by the end of that book that, no, Joker, you're crazy. Commissioner Gordon didn't go insane. In fact, he stops Batman pretty much from, he tells Batman not to kill the Joker, like bring him in, do it by the book. While in, in this movie, like, there's something like that. Joker's not trying to prove it. He's just kind of going through his life. Like, he just feels like some some Joe Blow guy who put on some clown makeup in a movie. Now, that performance is just so freaking enthralling that it makes the movie amazing, but it doesn't feel like the Joker. Like, this Joker can never go against Batman. Like, he's not that formidable. <laughs> yeah, he's just a, he's just a guy. He yeah, he's just a guy. something that might be mistaken for, like, metahuman psychological psychological abilities in a weird way um that's so i haven't seen it uh i saw your review and it's good i would when i see when i watch that review most of the time when i watch your reviews i tend to be like yeah i haven't seen it but i totally would probably agree based on this review um and i felt that way about joker and i think it's it's just a shame that like we call it jared leto's joker because i just don't want to give him that much credit and again, not even there is that much of his fault. There just wasn't a ton for him. To, it just wasn't a huge role. But it's like Joaquin Phoenix did the better job, but the better Joker by itself happened to be played by Jared Leto. And I can get on board with that. Yeah. Even if I haven't seen it, I'm totally okay with saying that. No <laughs> offense, Jared. Um, <laughs> sorry about all the memes people are, are sharing. Uh, let's use that as a segue, if you're ready, to talk about a movie that I have seen um and because you proposed a topic that i thought was pretty fun <laughs> excellent idea i don't know what inspired it if you'd like to share that'd be great uh, or if you don't that's also great <laughs> but you proposed to me that we discuss who would win in a fight you uh these people these two characters have just had their pets <laughs> taken from them unjustly which one would win which one would be more imposing in a fight when it happened would it be ang fighting to get Appa back or would it be John Wick fighting to avenge his dog <laughs> and, uh, I will say I've thought about this way too much I don't mean in a research sense like I haven't gone out and dug up enough facts I've thought about this way too much in a way that I'm extremely emotionally attached to both of these characters and I want them both to be happy <laughs> and you know one of them gets that kind of but uh, hey, do you want to start off, or would you like me I to have, voice? I've, I really don't know where I got the thought from. I, I was probably mowing the yard, and it probably hit me. I'm just like good. mowing and showering. Yeah, I think that's like, where all good ideas yeah. come from. Yeah, I was like, these two. The most pissed I've seen them is when something happens to their animal. Like, which one am I actually more afraid of when that happens? Um, so that was one of my original questions, and I posted that to to social media. Uh, and got some pretty interesting answers back. Oh yeah, that's something I meant to. It was, it was, I think it was probably about fifty-fifty on who would win between. I th- actually, I think it leaned more towards John Wick. More probably sixty really? percent huh. of people said that John Wick would win, hmm. and and I, and I went in and also said that they would be more afraid of John Wick also because that's a John good way Wick to put it. That's a, you. 
a better way to like i would be more scared of john wick i think i did i know we discussed like our initial reactions and then i tried really hard to at least uh develop sort of an alternative reaction i'm satisfied uh Mm -hmm. with what i've come up with even if i'm going to stick to my gut instinct uh so my my initial thought was like well john wick definitely like john wick would win that fight no no matter what because like the world of avatar has never seen something like so like intimately violent as a gun like sure they've seen like lasers and like fire bending from far up but like it's all kind of moving at a slow pace when a gun just like pew 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 like it's <laughs> those are actual gun sound effects in my house but <laughs> um, <laughs> very safe guns in the ford house i like that pew, 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 pew. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so like initially I thought, all right, there, there's no way that that any character in Avatar can deal with the just the sheer ferocity and and the way that guns are used. Do you have a rebuttal? To, oh to that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or just so... what? Just what's your um mine's uh, i think i can keep it pretty concise so i'll offer like a slight rebuttal to what you've said and then give my overarching opinion and then you can close it out with probably the the final most rational thoughts yeah that's that's probably (laughs) so uh my rebuttal would be that i think you're doing a strong disservice to sparky sparky boom man right now by treating him as if he is not firing projectiles at a very maybe not bullet rate of speed i don't have the physics figured out uh, but I would argue, I think Sparky Sparky Boom Man and even the, even like the blue lightning, they seem to come out at a very, uh, in a very projectile way. Like they're even using like finger guns when they fire the blue lightning. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Um, in my head, those are the closest things to projectiles in the universe. Um, and so in my head, it's, it's different than anything Aang has seen, especially angry Aang. Like I feel like just angry Aang in the Avatar state, you go ahead and fire a few bullets at him. I don't know if we're doing fire Avatar State or not. Definitely in the Avatar State, it's easy. Yeah, I do yeah, think Avatar State. Yeah, so, but even Aang out of the Avatar State, I think it would be really, really hard to hit with a weapon. Uh, I had a really hard time coming up with this scenario. It's kind of like the core discussion where it's like, I think nine times out of ten, Aang would get away. But I know we're supposed to be like a head-to-head match. They're both angry, and I just think Aang has too much, uh, too much metaphysical power in his corner that John Wick has definitely never seen because uh, John Wick has not seen magic <laughs> happen. So just flip that argument on its head and John Wick has never seen anything like that. I will say, so in my head it was adamantly hang. The longer I thought about it and the angrier I got at two and three, and I just watched three last night and you heard me complain how much I was disappointed. Um, the more I thought about it, if any John Wick stood a chance, it would be the John Wick right at the end uh, of one but before he got the dog like when he was still in full vo- mm. like full vengeance mode but not yeah. completely like beaten to shreds and worn down and everything like still in full blown like all your adrenaline's at a high he has no earthly tethers like at that point his dog is dead um okay. he, he doesn't have the new dog and I'll, he's not thinking about his own life at all like it's it's strictly revenge if any John Wick has a chance, it's that total reckless disregard for my own life, uh, John Wick. I think, I think that would be the one to get it done. Also, just because mm-hmm. I like the first movie so much better than the next two. Um, hopefully, <laughs> I kept that was a little longer than I intended, but I think I concise no, my thoughts. No, that's really concise. 
So I, I say that was my initial thoughts um, that John Wick would win hands down. And then I, I started to really think about it. And like you mentioned, the lightning. Lightning is the one key factor here. <laughs> so I wish I still had the stats. I didn't look at it, but it's. Um, but I looked up how fast lightning travels. <laughs> oh, nice. And, and, and we're at... assuming it behaves like normal lightning, right? I think that's fair. Yeah. They, they literally call it and lightning and it acts like lightning. They do. They, and, and, it, and that was. It behaves like lightning. And, and that was trouble for me a little bit. Like, should, should I consider this? that it behaves the way that normal lightning behaves. And, uh, I mean, Iroh, characters in Avatar have a supernatural ability to react to really fast things. Like, even Iroh is not the Avatar. He reacts to real lightning in his own sky, and he can redirect it. Like, so if I was trying... he's an old at first man. I was trying to, like, this is not prime yeah. Iroh. Yeah. At first, I was trying to say, like, all right, is there a difference between the, the lightning that they generate... And the lightning from the sky. Well, if Iroh can redirect lightning from the sky, it's probably just as fast as redirecting lightning from someone else. Um, so that made me think that, all right, lightning from your hands is the same speed as lightning from the sky. Um, but then I started thinking about, like, all right, Zuko and his, um, his Agni Kai with Azula. You know, they're sending Azula, between Azula and Zuko is a straight, straight line. And Katara is probably about. 10 feet away from Zuko, and that's a straight line from Katara. I almost did try to do the the math and some geometry there to figure out how how fast lightning, how fast Zuko has to go to intercept the lightning. That's way deep. I end up not. That's way that's way yeah. deep. Um, but Zuko does, you know, intercept that lightning, and he gets in front of it. So how fast does the lightning travel there? Well, like I said before. Characters in the Avatar universe can react to fast things faster than normal humans can in, in our world, which John Wick is a part of our world. Um, so, looking at the speed Even of lightning... by the third one, you start to think otherwise. <laughs> so far, all the evidence we have says he's supposed to still be uh, of our world. Stupid um, movie. Yeah. Um, so... Looking at the speed of lightning in our actual world, it travels at like a third of the speed of sound <laughs> or something like that. Okay. Like it's a ridiculous speed. Like it's like that's, I think that's, 200... say, that's outrageous right. for a physical thing to be traveling. That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. I do I do think it was like a third of the speed of sound. And a bullet travels legitimate. at like So like a third speed I might I'm making up numbers here. That's fairly close. Like two hundred and forty thousand miles an hour, something like that. It could have possibly been two hundred and forty million thousand. Uh, I think it might be like. I'll have to look it up later. Um, or maybe look at if you could just Google like right now how fast is lightning travel. It'll come up right at you for you. Yeah. But like the fastest a gun can travel is like twenty four hundred miles an hour, and so like lightning travels a thousand times faster than a bullet <laughs> can travel. So even if we want to say that the lightning is is a lazier not, form of lightning yeah yeah even the laziest form of lightning will probably be a hundred <laughs> times faster than any bullet that john wick could use um so because of that ang would easily be able to um dodge um dodge bullets that comes his way um it would, be, it would even be better if he was a metal bender like Korra is oh, hi, hi. No, i'm kidding 
Um, <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> but, that hurts. I know. Uh, but like a character like Toph, Toph would easily beat John Wick because she can control the metal and she'll be able to. Oh, no, wait, no. Actually, Toph will lose. Cause Toph, I don't think Toph will be able to react to that air, that bullet in the. Do we have evidence of Toph yeah. reacting to blue lightning or just other forms of bending? Because I would say that blue lightning is safely faster than, you know, even regular fire bending or earth bending or uh, air bending. Uh, no, I, I was just trying to think about um, Toph has, she can see earth in the air, but, but it's bullet. difficult. Yeah, but a bullet, but a bullet moves so fast. I don't think, and so tiny, I don't think she'll be able to see that. I like, even I do could, like the yeah. idea though, that she would uh, maybe still have some element of control over the bullets. That would be kind of interesting to explore. Yeah. Like, does she have to sort of uh, be able to visualize when she's bending and understand yeah. exactly where it is to have any element of control over it? Or does she have like a general um, sort of aura around her i think she, she would have to like i think she would have to one thing know what a gun is like the first time she gets to come in contact with the gun she'll be thrown off but if she knows what a gun is she can feel like that person's finger probably she feels that person's finger swinging the trigger and then she probably herself yeah she could probably project out where that gun where that bullet is going to land and she can uh yeah work her way around that you were actually underserving lightning it I is I it's was. 220 million miles an hour and that yeah. is a third the speed of light, not even Sanus. Third would... the speed of light. Oh, that's oh, speed outlandish. Of light. Yeah, I was. So, uh, yeah. again, I'm gonna say if you flip it on its like, sure they haven't seen bullets, but if you flip it on its head, I know that nobody has ever fire bended or earth bended or air bended at John Wick before. So yes, they have right. shot at him a lot in his defense. Yeah. Like, like once Aang, one thing John Wick, you know, and I, and I watched the third one a couple nights ago too. Like he comes into like very, he gets in a lot of hand-to-hand fights with people, um, even if he has a gun. Like somehow those people are able to like maneuver in a way that the fight becomes a very close quarters fight. And once Aang is in a close quarters fight, John Wick's not laying a hand on on Aang. Like it's Aang so is fast, supernaturally man. fast and gifted. And once Aang just earth bends like his feet to the ground, John Wick is done at that point. I so yeah, think... so Aang, sorry, I think Aang, I without a doubt. So I think Aang, without a doubt, wins that match. And I feel like, you know, I try to be as unbiased as I can in, in all these things. I feel like this time I went in unbiased. I was Well, I, I'm unbiased no matter what. Like, I went in thinking, like, John Wick has this. And then once I look at the fats and everything put forth, I'm like, oh, no, actually Aang wins in, in a landslide. In a literal landslide. That's kind of funny. Because of a literal landslide, <laughs> probably. Um. <laughs> And we've also just, yeah, yeah, we've seen John Wick at least be not bested, but like seriously damaged and flaws by like just not kind of ordinary bad guys from time to time in a bad situation. So I, uh, it doesn't change my answer, which is still certainly Aang, but maybe a more fun question would be like, like Aang before he learns the other types of bending versus John Wick at the end of the first movie or something like that, where you could kind of level the odds where it's just an airbender versus a guy with an awesome gun. Um, a guy, an airbender that hasn't seen Blue Lightning or Sparky Sparky Boom Man versus a guy with an awesome gun. Maybe that's a better, like a closer question. I, I still don't think it changed my answer, but it's fun to think about. Yeah, well, long story Sparky, short. You know Sparky what? Sparky Boom Man would be a good fight against Sparky John Wick, I think. That just I, seems like a, a really cool looking fight. Like, just imagine the explosions. Yeah. I don't um, know how fast it's traveled, and I'd ha- I'll have to go back and rewatch it. But it seems like it's fairly instantaneous 
maybe not gunshot speed, but close, like faster, yeah, like faster than it's... fire bending, but maybe not quite to the speed of a gunshot. I think so. Yeah, at, at a guess. I mean, we're we're guessing at a animated uh, <laughs> animation, but I think it's a fair guess. The thing is, I was hoping at first. I was like, all right, good. Um, at first, I was hoping when I asked you the question of who to win, I was hoping you would say John Wick. So then I can hit you with all these fats of why oh, you wouldn't. I wanted like a really. I, you uh, know, to be fair, I'm always uh, going to default to the otherworldly, like first though, right? Like a, as a human in a in a not otherworldly world, I'm always going to default yeah. to the people with essentially superpowers. No offense, John Wick. Yeah. But uh, long story short, uh, don't don't steal or hurt other people's pets, or I will find you. Yeah. Or one of these two <laughs> will find you. Either one. Keanu Reef in real Reef. Keanu Reeves in real life <laughs> might find you, and that probably isn't great for you either, because I, I see those videos where he's practicing with the gun. He's pretty good. And, um, it is, yeah. Anyway, go watch the first John Wick movie and then skip the next two. <laughs> short. No, you know what? Don't skip them. Watch the first one and then give yourself like a year and then watch the second two, the third, second and third one back to back and maybe it'll be okay. Um <laughs> I love you, Keanu Reeves. Be a friend of the show. With that, we, we've we been successfully discussing very important things for approximately 37 very minutes. Very important things. Very important things. But we have... Oh, wait. I wanna, before, we, before we go into the show, oh, please. I have two things to say. Please. Uh, one thing is um, there is a new comic book out today uh, called Avatar Last Airbender, The Tales of Team Avatar. That's out today. Um, I, have, I didn't get just to pick it up because Barnes & Noble didn't have it for some reason. And I didn't even ask my comic book store. Barnes but they Noble has had everything. It. Yeah, what the heck, Barnes and Noble? Come on. Uh, Just kidding. Also, I Sean, I know you know this, but but uh, they made a uh, a Cabbage Man pop, and I bought this. He <laughs> 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 didn't know that. I did not know that. Uh, oh. Like it was it's apparently a, a Comic Con exclusive that was sort of GameStop. Um, that is, but uh, I'm not giving this away or anything. I'm just did, yeah. To, he's not. We're just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did we even mention him in the last episode? Because we should have, and I don't know if we did. No, we didn't. We should have. Wait, is it his last appearance in the last episode? I think it's in the tales of Ang, the tale of Ang, and the animals running by, or something like that, and they ruin the cabbages. Yeah, yeah, that was his last. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, first of all, last. shame on us because I don't think we talked about it. And second of all, that might no, be that might be the the end of the Cabbage Man. I think I think he remains in the I... Earth Kingdom. You are right. He does. Cabbage Man, mm-hmm. we are well, so he, sorry. He, he we comes, failed you. He, he comes back in a comic book, though. Oh, oh well. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel much better, but a little bit. I feel a little better knowing he comes yeah. back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he comes in. He uh. Because he sees, he's at some factory, and he sees a forklift. Like, this is the first forklift that's ever around. He's like, oh, he gets an idea of, like, he gives up cabbages, and he goes into, like, business of making, like, automotives and stuff like that. He ends up working um, for Varric or something. No, he, he makes his own company called Cabbage Court. Oh, fantastic. Good for yeah. you, Cabbage Man. And, you uh, don't need us. Yeah, oh, he has a statue in in legend of core it's him holding up cabbages with his cabbage cart so i'm certain i've seen it but i just it's it's not coming yeah. to recollection but now i got something to look forward to at least i just i'm yeah, it's cabbage been... man i'm really sorry we overlooked you in that last episode that wasn't 
That yeah. wasn't cool at all. Uh, not <laughs> as cool as that as that pop bobblehead. I have two pop bobbleheads, and they were both gifts. Uh, one was from you, one was from Roberto. If I ever get a third, I hope it's the Cabbage Man because that's fantastic. Um, it's my kind of my kind of pop bobblehead. Uh, hey, with that, let's go ahead and get to the episode. Not to distract yes. from other fantastic conversations, but it is it's a fantastic episode and it's time we it's time we give it its due uh this episode which i not yet mentioned is called lake lao guy it is episode 37 overall 17 of book two so we're closing in on the end of book two this one has almost a finale caliber feel to it not quite because it doesn't wrap up that way but it just feels big and epic definitely and a lot definitely. of really big things happen and i don't know let's just start talking about it yeah, uh, Aang is... I love how this episode starts. It's first adorable, of all. yeah. Uh, yeah. Sokka is making... Um, Aang... Uh, Sokka is making posters, and they all look very terrible. Like, very terrible posters. Embarrassing. And, uh, yeah, very embarrassing. And then Aang comes in with these, like, very nicely printed posters. And, like, they crap on them. And then, of course, Toph is like, oh, I think they look great. And, and then and gets goes, oh, just thank a you. Second. Like, uh, yeah, get yeah. Um, Michael DiMartino, not Michael, Brian Canisco actually did the drawing of uh, Appa on there. Uh, this is the commentary on this one. I hope I remember some random nuggets of information. But uh... I didn't watch the commentary <laughs> on this, and I should have, but I did not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it starts off there. That is a really nice poster. You can actually get that poster somewhere. Oh, that's fun. Um, yeah. Actually, um, is it in? It might be in. Just to just to pass the time you know while you're looking, I will know. It's probably not the best time to look uh, to say this, but when I first saw your ratings today, I hadn't rewatched the episode yet. I just rewatched it about an hour ago, and so when I first saw your ratings earlier today, I was like, "Really?" And then <laughs> after I watched the episode, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right." <laughs> um, that's funny. I just when I first saw you, it was like that's outlandish. But uh, yeah, I just hadn't rewatched it quite yet. Um, this is the last disc, thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty is the last disc of my DVD set. I had not yet got to it, and I was no, pleasantly I surprised. You know, we just had all that talk about John Wick, and I never oh, yeah. pointed out the fact that my dog is in here right now, hanging out with us. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Here's that. Uh... That yeah. looks really good. <laughs> it's a very attractive poster. Good job, printer. It's fine. It, yeah, it is exactly the same poster. Although the scheming salesman who sold him the printed posters failed to mention that they're not allowed to put things up. So he was happy to sell them and take the money uh, mm, without mentioning sure. that they couldn't hang them up. The sleaze bag. <sighs> True. If anybody wants to know, that is in Avatar Legacy, Avatar Last Airbender Legacy, which is a book. Um, pretty much from the perspective of of uh, Aang writing to Tenzin. Oh, and then there's also a new book called The Legacy of the Fire Nation coming out, but oh. it's coming out to February, uh, and it's from the perspective of Iroh writing to Zuko about kind of like the past, Fire Nation and everything. I'm yeah, actually we should talk about that in the news really just because it's kind of, I don't know, it's, I mean, that's going to yeah. be very emotional, I think. It's very. Yeah, yeah. Probably, the art it looks really probably good. more so than than Aang writing to Tenzin, even if that's a weird thing to compare. But Aang writing to Tenzin yeah. just feels more like stories. Iroh writing to Zuko, that feels like life. Yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. Hashtag adulting exactly. lessons and stuff. So yeah. That'll be really cool. I will, uh, again, I'll read that stuff in between sessions when we hit our, our in between series. Um, I'm going to de- dedicate some time to the library and probably borrowing your stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, uh, oh, Judy. No, that hasn't happened yet. Anyway. Um, so, uh, so then Jet. No, you're is... right. Judy, Judy essentially comes in and tells them that. Yeah, they they can't hang can't posters hang and stuff. stuff like that. And then Ang gets yeah. super mad. Ang gets really pissed. <laughs> and then I like how Toffle's like, "Yeah, break, let's break some rules." And she like completely just breaks just through the, the wall out of the building. Ang yeah. get, Ang gets um, so mad he would kill John Wick. That's how pissed he is at that moment. Oh yeah. Um, and then uh, in commentary. They do mention that initially Toph was supposed to just break a vase, and I thought, no, that's not enough. And they had her <laughs> break the whole thing. It would have been a like huge even, missed opportunity. Then they said that even in future episodes, when you see this same house, that there's still parts of it like falling off. <laughs> and stuff. I had noticed uh, that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So that's all with, with them. Uh, so then they go out to look for. Uh, to, to spread the posters of Oppa they around. They're going to post them, post the stuff anyway. Yeah, it's all it amounts yeah. to. Oh, they, they, there's so many good. I feel like every time there's blind jokes, they handle it so well. They do. Very <laughs> like when, when, classy. When they're handing out, when they're hanging out the posters, they they split up. <laughs> and so I was like, Toph, you come with me." She's like, "Why? I can't hang up a poster." She grabs the paste and paints it on there. She goes, "It's it's upside down, isn't it?" <laughs> and, it, and it's funny because it wasn't upside yeah, down. Totally, nobody says anything. They just they you don't, don't want to rub it in. She gets the point. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> I refuse to believe that she couldn't feel textures on the poster. Like she's so sensitive I mean, to everything physical. I, I guess she would have to feel the ink. Yeah, I feel it. like she totally could What's though. That? Like but, in this well, episode, Earth, in this well, episode, she too. knows how to tell when people are lying, but she can't tell which side of a paper the writing's on. Come on, Toff. Yeah, it's a little far fetched. I'm just picking nits. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so they run into Jet, and Jet Ugh. is all on up and up here. Um, I mean, if you don't like Jet here, that's fine because he's being brainwashed. Um, it's not his fault here. I'll give him that yeah, at least. Not his fault. Um, and Katara seemed I think she seems too scorned honestly she it's it is out of character from like how they left like they departed and went their separate ways the first time but she wasn't like John Wick angry yeah she seems John Wick angry here she does yeah (laughs) like she just lost a puppy no she I I totally agree it's it's a little overdone but gets the point across (laughs) like like that picture of her waterbending is like massive and like the way that she is like she's also throwing ice at him like he's hasn't aggressively done to anything to her at all especially this time like nothing yeah and in her defense last time she saw jet he's gonna murder a town of people so i don't know you know a town that's important the whole town not like (laughs) just people within it the the, all of it kids but they didn't Everybody. leave when they left. It's she wasn't this level livid, but she's also yes. quite a bit better waterbender. So maybe that has yeah. incited some additional rage potential. Yeah. With great waterbending um, comes great rage responsibility. 
Yeah. So Jet tells them that he can help them find Appa, and they do after agree she, with it. Oh, after she kind of gives them the brainwashed head treatment, the head, the head clearing. Uh, no, not yet. Yeah, no, when he happen. says he can help him find Appa. Or, oh, you're just saying generically. He doesn't know where yet. He just like, hey, let me help you. Yeah. I see. I yes. See. Yeah. And then right at that moment, um, well, first, Toph senses that Jet is telling the truth, that he is um there to help he did leave the freedom fighters and then like suddenly the freedom fighters are like oh hey jet we haven't seen we've been looking for you and then Toph realizes that well they're both telling the truth here one thing i think they did a they did a really amazing job of planting the seed that not planting seed but like keep on reinforcing that Toph can tell when people are lying and that's gets play that gets paid off at the end of this uh at the end of this episode um, but then talking sense like, oh no, well, Smellerby and Jet are both telling the truth, but which one is right? Like, they must know. And then Smellerby says, we didn't see you since the Dai Li took you, and they all know what how corrupt the Dai Li is. So then they know that Jet must have been brainwashed the same way they like Judy seemed kind of brainwashed. And uh, they do, <laughs> they do. I like how Sokka tries to like jog Jet's memory by sticking hay in his, in his Wait mouth. Wait a minute. Yeah. That's really fun. Good try. And, uh, uh, and then he says maybe Katara should kiss him. And then I like how Aang is even like, no, that's a dumb idea. Stupid. That's exactly what I would have said, Aang. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the trying to remind him that, you know, Jet, you're a freedom fighter. Like, or... Qatar does like the healing thing, like you said, and it brings back just a quick, a quick memory of the leader of the Rough Rhinos, and like Jet just being a, like a little boy watching his village being burnt down. And this is one of the moments that I want, that I think should be expounded, expound about in the series. Like, you need to inform the character Jet even more. I want him to actually confront the Rough Rhinos and possibly see that he was becoming what he hated most. By confronting them, um, but this is a really good flashback, and I hope they, you know, uh, expand this more in the in the live action series. I remain silent. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it, it would be very interesting. <laughs> It'd be very interesting confrontation if time permitted. I I accept, and an yeah. opportunity for me to like Jet better. That's what it would be. <laughs> um, but then he he finally comes to, and they go to Lake Lao Guy. Um, and uh, and Lao guy in Chinese just means prison, <laughs> apparently. Very so attractive just, lake, apparently. Yeah. yeah, just prison under the lake. <laughs> like in the commentary, they're like, "We were not creative with that one." I mean, I guess it's creative enough that you used the Chinese uh, translation for it. <laughs> but, I mean, at least you didn't just call it like prison, like that's... yeah. Hey, we could have got it like prison, should have. Um, <laughs> could, could have been worse, guys. Could have been worse. Yeah. Um, so they they infiltrate Lake Lao Guy. And I really love just them like infiltrating it because you never see Team Avatar really go on covert missions together. This feels like this Team Avatar plus the Freedom Fighters feels more like a force to reckon with. They feel more like a like a like a armada or like the, a the dedicated team. operation as opposed to just kind of yeah. ad hoc 
you know, yeah. going wherever they please. This feels like a Sokka thing, <clears throat> almost. Like a yeah. strategic mm-hmm. movement. Yeah, and then uh, and then they, they get to... Um, eventually, they find... Yeah, they find Longfei. Longfei pretty much is like, you guys are major enemies of the, of the Earth Kingdom. You pretty much need to be punished, something like that. Uh, but the the scene that I really love <clears throat> is like the long the Dai Li members hanging from the ceiling, like it's it's so freaking like ominous. It's very creepy, yeah. It's yeah, it's like off putting yeah. in that you don't notice it right away, probably, and then you're like, like what's that? Oh, that's creepy. I don't know. I definitely didn't yeah. notice didn't notice immediately. Mm-hmm. Um. The scene I love, I guess you're probably getting there. Am I going to steal your thunder talking about the Blue Spirit? Go ahead. I've been talking a lot. No, uh, I just, that, no that's I the scene that I love a lot. And they do a really nice job of, you know, the, the gang is opening a door. And then oh, you yes. see Appa. Yes. And then, but when you see Appa, you realize it pans over to the Blue Spirit, a.k.a. Zuko. And he's like, not who you were expecting to see, huh? And it just, that oh, is... how it's very like, that's like Deadpool meta. Like he's talking to us and I know he's not really talking yeah. to us, but <laughs> no, that's a good it's, point. it's just very cleverly work, uh, <laughs> put together and very cleverly animated and transitioned. Um, like yeah. it did exactly Mike, what they wanted uh, to do. No, it's good you call that out. Cause Mike DiMartino says like, I love this cut. This is probably one of my favorite cut scenes we have ever done. <laughs> it... Cause it's. It's such a magic trick, like, or such. It's just, you just he just fools the audience so much. And it could feel cheap, but it does. I don't know. It feels really well yeah. put together. I, it's my favorite scene in the whole episode, probably. Yeah, and and it's so small, but it's it's it changes the it dramatically. I think it changes the story in this episode a lot. You think, oh yeah, they found Appa, and like they show you Appa, they show Aang opening the door, see, and there's it's Appa. happening. Yeah. And then you see Appa's eyes widen and it turns the camera and oh kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Other it's it's less heartbreaking because I think we all have faith in Zuko at this point. Like even first watchers, yeah. I think you have some uh-huh. faith. So it it could be worse. It could be like earlier Zuko, but I, there's more hope. Yeah. <laughs> they do he did mention he was like this is He's like, I was glad that this was our last fake out because we we faked out the audience several times with finding Appa before, and like for some reason, breaking hearts. I felt I felt them like, yeah, you you definitely faked us out a couple of different times that we were finally gonna find Appa. <laughs> Personally attacked. Yeah. Um, they do a nice job. It was this then, is a great one to cap it off with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and then back with the gang. They then get into this uh, fight with, which I absolutely love. This fight, this is like one of the best team fights. And when I rewatched it uh, a couple of days ago, it's surprisingly shorter than I know than I, than I remember. Even though I watched it probably a couple of months ago, um, but I just love the fight. Like you got members of pretty much every bending except for fire. Also, you got different um, non-benders usage. Right, you got long shot with using bow and arrows, jet with the hook swords. Um, and just everybody just working together in such a cohesive manner. I just love this fight. Like, and and they say that directing it was really difficult because they're so used to directing like one versus one fights where you know where both of these people are at. But when you have like several characters in the same scene, you have to sort of track them <laughs> and where they're going and and what they're doing. Um, that's difficult. My favorite, I think my favorite scene 
<laughs> is, is pretty much like Toph um, gets up there. She then takes out two deadly agents. They then, two other ones then earthbend into her. She then pushes them away. But at that moment, a hand comes in, grabs her off <laughs> of, of, the, of the ledge that she made. But then before that, Jet swoops in, takes her back. <laughs> Daily agents uh, then like um, throw a rock at Jet and and uh, and then like long shot shoots it. And it's just such a great sequence. Like I, I, uh, every uh, John every... Carlos Lope didn't direct this, but it's a uh, uh, Tim Hedrick. I think directed it, or did he write it? I don't, anyway, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah. I, I think they do a really nice job of making sure multiple uh, multiple participants are accounted for all at the same mm-hmm. time, several times, which is not something I can say about John Wick 3 Parabellum. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, uh. I'm done. <laughs> no, it a, it's a great fight scene, and then you kind of know it's coming, but still when it happens, it's... I don't know, heartbreaking is like too strong a word because you really do know that something is going to turn like you're sort of expecting a twist and even then it's not really a twist I guess because you're kind of expecting it uh, but it's it's demoralizing to see them flip Jet who we like just got back on his good side and he's helpful and um, it seems like things are really going their way 100% just small thing flipping Jet with the yeah. brainwash uh, Heartbreaking yeah, is too they strong, did. but it's it's demoralizing. Yeah, they did a they did a really good job of uh, separating Jet and Aang um, from the rest of the group, and then just leaving with Long Fei. And then uh, I love how like Long Fei tries to negotiate with them again. He's like, "All right, if you leave now, you take your bison and go." And then like Jet is first like, "You're in no you're in no position to bargain with us." He says. Uh, am I? And then Ang like backs Jet up, like, no, you definitely are. Definitely like, are. I love how, <laughs> I love how Ang is just like so pissed off at Long Fei that he's he's like, no, you you are not having the upper hand here. Like I am uh, not negotiating with you at this point, which reminds me a lot of Tenzin because uh, in the episode um, where Tenzin's going up against the Red Lotus, like they try to tell him to like give up Korra's location. He's like never he like fights them all off and then like even when they're about to just like freaking almost kill Tenzin he's like I'm gonna keep going to my last breath like ah so much like I just love when like characters say F you like I'm not playing your game today <laughs> but like uh, will it, willing to give it all for whatever they're fighting for at that exact moment yeah it's very powerful yeah. feels very powerful um yeah. and and then then Jet gets brainwashed with like some trigger word just the the earth hands while you're like loud guy um which is great trigger words i was watching something where they use trigger words just now ah, i forgot what it was but you know i feel like trigger words and shows is always uh kind of interesting um, just what terminology they they use and what <laughs> what words are people not gonna say on accident but still yeah, sounds like, legit. Flamingo. Oh, you see that flamingo over there? Dang it. Then I was going to say flamingo. <laughs> Never thought that I would say flamingo in my life. I love Futurama, <laughs> and I love the episode 
where uh, I don't know, there's a bomb that they put inside a bender that if it goes off when he says a trigger word, it's gonna kill everybody. And then it, uh, the professor's like, I made sure it was in his top ten list of things to never that he never says or whatever. And so then he's trying to guess things that he never says. <laughs> oh, oh it's gosh, great. Yeah. It's great. But sorry, off topic. But that's what, same same concept. It's very interesting what people use as trigger words. Uh, random thing, if you want to watch a uh, podcast about uh, Futurama, there's a, I listen to a podcast called Holy Badcast, and I really like listening to them um, by uh, Andy DiGenova. And uh, he has a new podcast called Why Not Futurama, where they review every episode of Futurama, even though they've already seen it. Similar to, you know, other people Similar who review to shows that podcast. I really love. You might but... be familiar with. I love Futurama. <laughs> it is, it's very high on my list for sure. Especially yeah. like the adult animated TV shows, it's probably my favorite of the adult-oriented comedies. <laughs> but again, another another list for another day. Yeah. Uh, so then Jet gets brainwashed into attacking Aang. Aang encourages him to remember that he's a freedom fighter. He does. He also remembers like the good times with Katara, but <laughs> he remembers like everything. Um, and he, I like how he he throws that that hook sword at along fey and like it's so like tantalizingly like slow motion that you're like this isn't going to end well um along fey kills him um and they said that they had a lot of like drafts with this one because like things were a lot i think their original like wording was probably a lot more gruesome and i think they said like maybe 20 drafts or something like some high amount that usually they don't have a high amount in um, but Longfei just ends up saying, like, you've guaranteed your own demise, kid, or fool, something like that. Um, and uh, and right at that moment, the rest comes in, and, and Katara tries to heal him. Uh, interesting enough, you, you know how, like, on Facebook groups, like, people ask questions all the time, like, oh, why didn't people do this? Why didn't people do that? A question that has never been asked, not that I know of, I've never thought of, the creators asked themselves in the commentary of like, hey, why didn't Katara use a spirit water on Jet? She's still mad. <laughs> still mad. Still mad. Hey, you know what? Well, to be fair, Longshot and Smellerby, like, they saw her use it earlier. They know it's a thing, and they're just like, it's fine. Well, no, they, they, well I don't think they know. They don't know about the spirit water. Like, the spirit water she has on her necklace that she, that she uses on Aang later. She is saving that for more important characters. <laughs> Which whether is... Whether she knows it or not. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she Which... didn't remember it, you know? Times of uh, times of great yeah. stress. At, at that, in the commentary, you could tell they're kind of trying to, like, uh, just reason out, like, why that could be. And they kind of make it like, oh, well, it's spirit water. You know, it's not necessarily great and, and you know, fitting physical wounds and stuff is more like a spiritual water so it probably wouldn't even have any effect on, jet has no spirit jet. <laughs> yeah and, and that's what they said that, like this it really more so works for people who are like very spiritual and have like a big like spirit in them um so i think they kind of like retconned what the and not necessarily retcon because not they just they, reasoned they, they, they why i wouldn't use back that. into it which it, it's one of those things in my mind I, it's fun conversation but it's it's not necessary, right? Like, we don't really care too much. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 
I'll I'll chalk it up to stress. Like maybe she like she's thinking about other things. They're so close to Appa. They're yeah. so close to getting out. Maybe she's already chalked him up as dead. Like whatever. Or yeah, exactly. That's what that's what I think. Like she already read. They're like, all right, this situation is not good. Um, and then you know this moment, I think is like pretty touching, especially because Jet says to like go. I'll be fine. I'll and be then fine, Katara. Yeah, like Jet. And then when uh when Toph was leaving, that she can she can sense like he's lying. Like it's such a great payoff. Like such a great way to introduce an ability, and like keep on saying it throughout wish, the episode. I Just wish they would have like, introduced it in a previous episode, but I still agree. Yeah. But like, can you imagine if it just been something sort of more inherent that she just very rarely used? Um. That would have been really cool. But yeah, it's a really nice payoff at the end. So she did start to use it a lot more later in the think, series. I don't think she has used it to this point. No, no, this is the first Not episode in she the used same it. Sense. So yeah, just, you know, if it had been introduced a couple episodes ago and like a more gradual I mean, build up and maybe catch us off guard with this one. I mean, no like, one oh, has... snap, you know. I mean, they, they didn't have a reason for it. Nobody has lied Nobody, yet. But like... She just didn't care yet. That's all. Why? That's the question that's never been asked. Why didn't she use yeah. that before? But um, that's why. No, our... no. <laughs> well, that's the next episode, isn't it? Never mind. Never mind. Ignore me. <laughs> but no, that's a good question. Uh, but then at the end, you have to see the horrifying shot of Longshot pulling back the bow. <laughs> and apparently, in my memory, oh, yeah, Longshot speaks. For the first he time. does, this yeah. He's a, like it'll a be really fun. great use of. He's our he's our leader. As a, yeah, go. He's our leader. Um, in my memory, <laughs> he points the arrow not at the door but at Jet to take him out of his misery. And that's even watching is, this time. We talked about it the other day, so I was like ready for it. But even this time, I was watching. Yeah. I was like, it sort of still looks like that. Maybe it's supposed to. I don't know. Oh, okay. I I still think like I don't think that's what happened. I'm just saying I think it, it's very yeah. obvious why action, you saw that. In live action version, Longshot should definitely kill Jet. Oh yeah, not just saying that because I want Jet to die. I want him to be out of his. Nobody deserves to be miserable. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So then they make it out of of they they start to make it out. So then we, on the flip side of that. Um, you have some, which, you know, we've been speaking so highly this episode, and and we haven't gotten to the Zuko Iroh part. That's true, we didn't um, really touch that. But, yeah, I mean, okay, Iroh. so the, the important part of this that you're talking about is very short, but it also still it is, feels, yeah. it also still feels yeah. like half the episode, like it feels like a full it's subplot, a like yeah. a 40%. In reality, like two minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what a, what a two it's, minutes. It's, yeah, you are absolutely right. Um, Iroh, Zuko is, is standing in front of Appa, really just looking dumb, honestly. Um, like, I found a Iroh, big dog. Like, he just very, yeah. yeah. You know, Iroh says, like, oh, who could that be under Blue Spirit Mask? And Zuko oh. definitely not expecting Iroh, by the way, catching mm-hmm. him off yeah. guard. <laughs> and, uh, and Uncle Iroh just delivers, like, just just some some hard hard love right now like you know they mentioned commentary like this is the first time that Iroh is really speaking this loudly against Zuko like Iroh rarely ever 
gets his voice a certain level. Like he saves it only for like the right moments. Like at the end of book one where he was yelling at Zhao, like, let that spirit go. I want to unleash on you what you do that tenfold. Let it go, Zhao. And like here, he's like yelling at Prince Zuko. Like it's a know, little bit like, of like you know, a I mean, we would call it like a come to Jesus speech or a I'm sick of your shit speech, I guess. It'd be one of those yeah. two. Like it's 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 not I mean, there's love in it, but it's angry. It's not like just a stern yeah. voice. It's there's harsh anger. Yeah, yeah. Wonderfully voice acted, by the way. Wonderfully voice acted by Mako, who uh, who did pass away. Um, he uh, he he tells Zuko like, "What is your plan? Like, are you going are you going to bring him to our <laughs> to our to our new apartment? You want me to put on the pot of tea for him?" And Zuko just like, I don't know. Um, I haven't thought all this through. You never think these through. Like, he is so pissed off at Zuko right now. Like, he, he doesn't even let Zuko really finish his thought. He's like, this is just like the North Pole. If the Avatar and his friends didn't find you, you would be dead. <laughs> and then, like, Zuko at this point is just arguing uh, stupidity kinda against logic. Yeah, kind of childishly. Yeah. It's like, I know my own destiny, uncle. Your destiny? Or destiny someone has imposed on you. And it's like, oh, like he just keeps on like arguing with like nothing. And then Iroh just keeps going, like, I'm begging you, Prince Zuko. He is like, <laughs> it's like Burgess Meredith yelling at Sylvester Stallone in Rocky, like, get up, you <laughs> son of a bitch. It's like, it's very harsh. Um, And I just like, it's, oh. it's probably the most, I don't like, you're embarrassed for Zuko, like, man, just stop. Just, just shut yeah. your mouth, and it, no one has ever been so verbally assaulted <laughs> and like beaten in a debate than Iroh beats Zuko. Yeah, it was, a, and it's from, it was a beat down, and it's from love. It was a, it was a yeah. verbal whooping. Yeah, and he says, you know, my favorite part is like, it's time to start asking yourself important questions. Who are you, and what it is that you want? And then like Zuko just, you know. You, you, he, he throws down his, his twin blades on the floor in agony or in anguish or whatever. Uh, and then you leave that scene not knowing what happened. Um, and then, you have anything else to add on to the Iroh, uh, Zuko? You knocked it out of the park. It's very, right. It was a very powerful minute where, like I said, you feel yeah, lots you of emotions, but I think the biggest one is like, I'm feeling embarrassed for Zuko. Because, uh, yeah. you know, at this point in the series, we're starting to have feelings for him. Uh, the average audience is, at least, right? We've seen a lot of human Zuko. Um, there was a Zuko that we probably wouldn't have cared, but, like, no, we do care now. We're at that place, and you want him to do not stupid stuff. And right now, it's like, stop arguing and listen to Iroh. And you got to argue yeah. enough to let him get his, his whole speech out, but that's it. So, yeah, like I said, a little embarrassed for Zuko there, but in a in a good, meaningful way, obviously. Yeah, so as Team Avatar is escaping Lake Lao Guy, they get surrounded by Dai Li agents. Like, they build, like, huge walls up in front of them. And also, it's important to note that Momo just left them for a while, went off and did his own thing. He, it was very, uh, very uh, obvious, though. Like, it was pointed yeah, yeah. when he left, like, straight up into the sky, kind of, and you were supposed to notice mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Momo comes back. Um, at that moment, you know, you see Appa just coming in with a sign of this back, and it is like one of the most 
uh, relieving <laughs> moments. It's a beautiful culmination uh, of both. A lot of the times the subplots are unrelated, but here you just had this big, powerful moment from Suko and Iroh, and this uh, this big, yeah. powerful moment from from the gang. And it's a beautiful culmination, like the happiest of happy endings from both sides. Uh, usually they don't intersect quite like that in an individual episode. So it's really gratifying mm-hmm. when you see Appa, because you just, you know, at that point, I, I don't know, you know everything that happened. It fills in all the gaps and it feels really good. You knew it was going to, but you get to f- see it. There's no more tricks yeah. here, Brian yeah. and Michael, you monsters. I'm just kidding. I know. Just they, kidding. They are. Um, <laughs> And then Alpha comes in, he breaks the wall, he takes on Long Fei himself, um, and he, he bites his foot and like skips him like a rock onto the lake. It's a really funny and, scene. It's not supposed to be funny, but it is kind of funny. Yeah. And he spits out his shoe. So in the commentary, Mike says, just just everyone's clear. That's just, just his shoe. His foot was not in the shoe. Alpha didn't bite off his foot. <laughs> this is, this is a in, in the live action version, I want him to bite off Long Face's foot. We want this to be PG thirteen. We want to see some. We want to see some gore. Yeah. Uh, you know, I could do it. The shoe's funny. Like you skipped it. Yeah, yeah. Just, no, I don't. I don't. I don't really want to. Bite he held on to it. <laughs> held on to his 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 Air Jordan, and that's cool. Yeah. Because you know that like, guy's funneling all... money off the city and buying himself some grade A sneakers. Oh yeah. Um, some for sure. And then they all jump on Appa. And like I love how they all cheer for Appa, like yeah, Appa. They all go and jump on him, and like Aang, for some reason his response, like he has a tear coming down. He's like, "I missed you, buddy." Like it's like finally, finally after all of this, Appa is back. Like you feel like they can take on like anything at this point. Like they've gone months without Appa. Now that they got him back, now that the teams together everything's gonna be fine. It it feels like you a feel finale. that. Like I said, it's not like that that. You know it can't be the finale, and obviously, I, I don't know. You know it. You know it can't be, but it just has a very finale kind of yeah. feel for a mid-season. It really like, does. It feels that good. And the reason why it feels like a finale is because the story, you know, this main story arc that we've been on for like probably at least ten episodes is that Opal is missing, and we've concluded that in this episode. So I mean, you're right. It feels like the the finale. I remember when I was watching this, like it's a little uh, my freshman season. year, my freshman year of college. For some reason, I had no real notion of what a season of a show was, and I didn't check the internet for when things were brand new. And so, like, I was I like, didn't "Oh, either. This... I had no concept at that point." <laughs> yeah, like when they leave on cliffhanger, like at the end of book two, like I was waiting, like next week. Oh, next week's new new episode of Avatar. I hope. And like, oh, no new episode this week? Maybe next, maybe the week after that. We weren't attuned like, to TV uh, schedules before the internet was like yeah, in our yeah. hands at every given moment. Yeah. There, there was a time where we um, where we didn't know. But if, if they ended with this, I would have felt satisfied as the season. I think so. Not knowing, the... not knowing now what yeah. we know, uh, we get yes. to experience the next three episodes. But at the time, yeah, it's yes. been great. Yeah. But now we now we know better, uh, because, yeah. I mean, let's be honest, finale to this one is amazing, also. But it is very much so. Um, um, so yeah, Team Team Avatar is reunited. Um, on the flip side, of that Zuko is holding the blue mask, um, and Iris says, "Time to let that go." He lets it go. They did say that originally this was not in the script, 
But when they were like storyboarding, they're like, well, we left off that you just have to assume that Zuko let uh, Appa go. Like, we need to see him and end on that mark. And it would have been fine, but you know, the mask is yeah. it's very symbolic. It's, yeah, exactly. Probably more meaning. It's uh, frustrating to me a couple episodes from now. Um, and probably to most people, but it, in this exact moment, it's very nice symbolism to see him throw the mask in the water. You feel mm-hmm. like it's a like a real turning a corner moment. Yeah, let's get to some and, uh, that's, Yeah, let's do it. Mine is pretty uh, easy. Yeah, as I say again, um, it's worth noting. That I saw your ratings first, and I knew what episode we we're coming up on. It just. It didn't stand out my head, and I saw your ratings like that's outrageous. You've smoking some crack. Yeah. Um, of all the things that you would do first, uh, of the things that you haven't done, I'm sure smoking crack is the number one. Uh, and then I watched it, and I was yeah, never mind. <laughs> totally on board now. Your first one. Uh, audio games. visual, nine and a half. I think the thing that took this up was the fight. Like, like me just going through that fight is just a small part of it for me. It's such a amazing fight that it gets a nine and a half on that alone story uh gets to nine and a half also we finally concluded really oppa's being lost arc and then you throw on top of that iroh and everything he talks about to zuko it is this is just a highlight of their relationship uh, it's a very significant moment in their relationship and uh yeah story-wise it's, it's really good so that's a nine and a half also for memorable and I have this is one episode that I always have to not only like watch I can't watch this episode in the background like I have to be in tune to watch this episode like that's when something's that good to me that's another level like Batman like the Dark Knight trilogy I haven't rewatched Dark Knight trilogy admittedly in like over a year which I usually watch at least once or twice a year it's that time I just haven't had it's, just a, it's an October kind of movie series <laughs> yeah but I just haven't had like the time to sit down and for you know with kids and work and everything. Uh, I've had the time just to sit down for two hours a day and watch these movies. Um, also, some of the artwork I've been doing, and so, but I, I can't have it on in the background either. Yeah. I'm like, no, this movie demands me focus in and pay attention to it, um, and that's what this episode does. Uh, so, simple average there is a nine and a half. It's funny you say that about movies and stuff. I, well, I like I totally respect that, but I almost like I struggle to to focus on any movie or television. Like I almost always want to be doing something else. But that just gives me more appreciation for what you just said about these are so strong that you literally can't do anything else. Audio visual, I gave it a nine. I loved everything about it. Um, it's not like the most wildly diverse in how it looks or sounds or anything like that. But that fight mm-hmm. scene really pulls a ton of weight. That's really cool. And then a lot of symbolism in this one. So nine, you go higher if you want. It's great. Story, nine and a half. Um, I don't don't even know why I would nitpick. I'd probably just give it a 10. It's a great story. Uh, Culminates in all the things you mentioned. But then also, like, uh, it's sort of a culmination, like, of of what we know about about the Dai Li and about this mysterious Lake Cloud guy and Jet. Like, it's uh, all these stories getting right. Yeah, I didn't didn't mention Jet. Like, and this really is... Sorry, I'm interrupting your. No, race, but no, this please. really is the. The dude died. <laughs> <laughs> this really is the culmination of the jet arc, um, and I, I wanted it, you know, to be explored more. But this is like the end of his arc. Like he ended up dying at the hands, 
not of a Fire Nation person, but at the hands of an Earth Kingdom, hands of the the city that is supposed to be like this beacon of a city on top, right? And this is the city they've been trying to get to this whole season. Like Man. this is the city that can keep you safe from the Fire Nation, but you're not safe from this city. The safe, um, uh, the city that Toph belovingly, uh, belo- <laughs> lovingly describes as worst city ever, and she might be right. Yes. Uh, yes. No, so I, I got to be honest. It's hard to see why we couldn't defend this story given a 10 uh, other than maybe just like trying yeah. to save it for something more epic or finales or whatever point is it's I think that was my that, reasoning that's for... the only reason I was like oh can uh, I really just be doling out 10s uh, right now in episode 37 uh, but it, the point is it's an amazing story and it wraps up so many stories but it's also very self contained you can watch just this episode and probably learn lots and lots and lots of things about the Avatar universe It's it's that good and the memorable nine, I'd have scored a little higher, but I was like, I literally didn't remember what happened in it, and that's got to count something. But um, a lot of that's just me being stupid. A lot of really powerful, impactful stuff happens in it. It's a nine point four. Together, that rounds up to a nice nine point five, right where it belongs, uh, appropriately at. I'm not going to tell you what spot in our list because in between seasons we will do some top lists. You can probably guess where this one lands at this point. And uh, uh, a little it, bit of a cliffhanger there. A little uh, bit of a, I, I started. I tried to hold my breath, every, but I, I'm a bad actor. Yeah. You know, it just didn't come out good. So lately, um, every night, I've been like telling my daughter stories of uh, these old superheroes that I would create when I was a kid, and I kind of like retconned their backstory and everything. But like every every night, I had to come up with a new story, right? <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of interesting as. As as like a as a I don't know as a writing um, instrument to do that because sometimes I read kind of things I'm like wait no that doesn't make sense let's say that this happened and I like to leave her on cliffhangers like one cliffhanger I left her on <laughs> is that uh, this officer was pointing a gun at this other robber and like I just go and she's like who shot who shot I'm like we'll find out next time. <laughs> We'll find out tomorrow night on bedtime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, I was like, you know what that is? That's called a cliffhanger. <laughs> and, then, and then like the next day she was, um, she was talking to my wife or something. And, uh, and um, she was like, mom, you know what a cliffhanger is? She's like, no, what? And then she explained it really well. <laughs> Well, yeah, I taught her that. It would have been better if she like, cliffhanger is when two people are pointing guns and one person shoots, but you don't know who <laughs> until next time. And that would have been the greatest description of cliffhanger. It would have been. Yeah. Oh, but she's too smart for that, actually. That would have been more like how I would have done it. She did it well, I'm sure. Uh, hey, we've, we've been talking for a really long time about just one episode. That's because it's a great episode. Um also great discussion i had a lot of fun thinking about how much i was disappointed by john wick 3 but also how much i like john wick 1 and it is the next i don't want to set the standard too high the next three aren't all to this caliber but what a great build up to the end of a season here uh, the end of season two or book two excuse me it's pretty marvelous the next few episodes so thanks for joining us this time uh, catch a few of Chris's videos. It sounds like you have top 10 things to improve is going to be the next one coming out. Uh, 10 things to improve in the live action series. Um, and then you just did the who does Zuko marry one, right? That one's out. Yes. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Go watch those. 
come back next time watch us we might have a, a light bit of, of us sort of related news next time we'll see you still fleshing some things out but i'm pretty excited to try something a little bit different hopefully it's different in a good way thank you very much for joining us this is avatar the last podcasters i'm sean that's chris all of our info is down in the description and we will talk to you soon see you later chris <laughs>